This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of THA dislocation from the recon section on orthobullets.com. Dislocation following total hip arthroplasty is a common reason for revision. Approximately 1 to 3% of THA cases go on to dislocate. 70% occur within the first month, and 75 to 90% are posterior dislocations. The mechanism of an anterior dislocation is extension and external rotation of the hip, while the mechanism of a posterior dislocation is flexion, internal rotation, and adduction of the hip. Risk factors of dislocation include prior hip surgery, which is the greatest risk factor, female sex, greater than 70 to 80 years of age, a posterior surgical approach, However, repairing the capsule and reconstructing the external rotators brings the dislocation rate of a posterior approach close to the anterior approach. Other risk factors include malpositioning of components. Remember, the ideal positioning of the acetabular component is 40 degrees of abduction and 15 degrees of antiversion. In general, excessive antiversion increases the risk of anterior hip dislocation, and excessive retroversion increases the risk of posterior hip dislocation. Other risk factors include spastic or neuromuscular disease like Parkinson's disease, drug or alcohol abuse, decreased femoral offset as it decreases tissue tension and stability, and finally a decreased femoral head-to-neck ratio. Patients who have prosthetic hip dislocations often report an activity that put them in a position that provokes dislocation, like hip flexion, adduction, and internal rotation. Activities like shoe tying and sitting in a low seat or toilet are often implicated. The incidence of dislocation is highest in the first year after arthroplasty and then continues at a relatively constant rate for the life of the arthroplasty. Again, at-risk positions are based on component positioning and surgical approach. And just to review, hip extension and external rotation put the hip at risk for anterior dislocation following an anterior approach. Hip flexion and internal rotation put the hip at risk for posterior dislocation following a posterior approach. Sung et al. reviewed the common etiologies for hip dislocations following primary THA, which can be divided into both patient and surgical factors. Patient factors include neuromuscular and cognitive disorders, patient noncompliance, and previous hip surgery. Surgical factors include soft tissue tension, component positioning, impingement, head size, acetabular liner profile, and surgeon experience. Mahoney et al. also divides dislocation risks into patient and surgical factors. Critical factors under surgeon control include component orientation and restoration of soft tissue tension. Prosthetic factors lowering the risk of dislocation include increasing femoral head size, maximizing the head-neck ratio, and optimizing the placement of the acetabular component. As far as imaging for these patients, the recommended radiographic views include an AP and cross-table lateral. Findings may include increased acetabular inclination greater than 60 degrees, increased acetabular antiversion greater than 20 degrees, acetabular retroversion, and it's important to look for eccentric position of the femoral head as that's an indication of polyethylene wear and risk for impending dislocation. Treatment for a prosthetic hip dislocation can be divided into non-operative and operative treatment. Non-operative management consists of closed reduction and immobilization. Two-thirds of early dislocations can be treated with closed reduction and immobilization. 
Immobilization can consist of a hip spica cast, a hip abduction brace, or a knee immobilizer. Operative options include a polyethylene exchange, revision total hip arthroplasty, conversion to a hemiarthroplasty with a larger femoral head, and resection arthroplasty. We will go into the indications for each of these options. A polyethylene exchange is indicated in stable, well-aligned implants with extensive polyethylene wear thought to be the sole reason for dislocation. A revision total hip arthroplasty is indicated if two or more dislocations occur with evidence of implant malalignment, that is, a vertical acetabular component or acetabular retroversion. Evidence of implant failure or polyethylene wear are also indications for a revision total hip arthroplasty. Let's consider the case of a 64-year-old healthy female patient who underwent right total hip replacement through a posterior approach six months ago. She has now dislocated posteriorly three times, each followed by closed reduction under anesthesia in the operating room. An AP radiograph of the pelvis shows that the acetabular component is vertically positioned. The femoral component is in slight varus, but not enough to warrant revision on its own. The version of each component cannot be definitively determined on this single film alone. However, the acetabular component has a significant amount of version that could either be antiversion or retroversion. The optimal acetabular component alignment is 30 to 50 degrees of abduction and 15 to 20 degrees of antiversion. And the patient in the case described has a vertical acetabular component that requires revision. Let's consider another case of a 70-year-old man who underwent total hip arthroplasty four months ago and has experienced three dislocations. Radiographs reveal no fracture of the hardware and an acetabular component that has an abduction angle of 40 degrees and a version of 10 degrees retroverted. Per Dorr et al., postoperative hip instability can be caused by several factors, infection, noncompliance with precautions, component malposition, impingement, and inadequate soft tissue tension. Strategies that do not address the underlying cause of recurrent dislocation will not definitively treat the instability. Non-operative measures cannot account for drastic component malposition. Component malposition, as in this case, should be treated with revision of the offending component. In this case, the acetabulum was placed in retroversion when it should have been 15 to 20 degrees antiverted. According to Mori, the most significant risk factors to instability are prior hip surgery, trochanteric nonunion, and posterior surgical approach. He wrote that the most reliable way to correct instability is to reorient a retroverted acetabular cup. Let's consider one more case of a 60-year-old male who had a total hip replacement eight years ago. There is evidence of eccentric polyethylene wear and some retroacetabular osteolysis. And you discuss treatment options of the acetabular revision if the component is found to be loose intraoperatively versus isolated polyethylene exchange if the acetabular component is stable intraoperatively with the patient. The most common complication of isolated polyethylene exchange with bone grafting that should be disclosed to this patient is postoperative hip instability. Boucher et al. looked at 24 patients who had an isolated polyethylene liner exchange for wear osteolysis and found six patients, that is 25%, dislocated and another four patients complained of instability. Restrepo et al. compared the results of isolated polyethylene exchange versus acetabular revision and found a 10% failure rate when retaining the acetabular component. 
Their cohort had no dislocations, which they attribute to their direct lateral approach. Therefore, although both implant failure and instability are known complications of isolated polyethylene exchange, it is currently believed that hip instability and dislocation are the most common. With respect to a revision total hip arthroplasty, the specific techniques to prevent future dislocation during THA include a realignment of components, head enlargement, trochanteric osteotomy and advancement, conversion to a constrained acetabular component, conversion to a dual mobility implant, and conversion to a tripolar construct. A realignment of components would be indicated if malalignment explains dislocation. Malalignment can include a retroverted acetabulum, a vertical acetabulum, a short femoral neck, lack of femoral neck offset, and or a retroverted femoral component. Head enlargement would help to optimize the head-neck ratio. Trochanteric osteotomy and advancement helps place the abductor complex under tension, which increases hip compression forces. Conversion to hemiarthroplasty with a larger femoral head is an older technique rarely used with the development of dual mobility implants. However, it is technically indicated for soft tissue deficiency or dysfunction, and it's contraindicated if acetabular bone is compromised. Conversion to a constrained acetabular component would be indicated in cases of recurrent instability with a well-positioned acetabular component due to soft tissue deficiency or dysfunction. Constrained acetabular liners provide excellent stability but may limit motion and fail prematurely if placed in the wrong patient. They could be considered in the following situations. Number one, cases with no identifiable cause for instability. Number two, recurrent dislocations due to unrepairable soft tissue insufficiency from lack of abductor function or capsular attenuation. Number three, severe cognitive or neuromuscular disorders and four, late dislocations with well-positioned components. While multiple studies have shown good short-term and long-term results, constrained acetabular liners should be considered an option of last resort due to the risks of fatigue failure and component dissociation. Sung et al. state that a constrained acetabular liner should be considered in patients who have recurrent instability without obvious cause. The components should be appropriately positioned, remember 30 to 50 degrees of abduction and 15 to 20 degrees of antiversion for the acetabular component. Callaghan et al. showed good results of constrained liners with less than 10% failure in patients with recurrent instability. Use of a constrained liner was not associated with an increased osteolysis or aseptic loosening rate. Schrader et al. reviewed the Mayo Registry and found that with the use of a constrained acetabular component, instability was eliminated or prevented in 107 of the 109 patients reviewed. Let's consider the case of a 62-year-old woman who presents for her one-year follow-up after a revision right total hip arthroplasty. She has no complaints of pain and has returned to all her activities of daily living. An AP radiograph reveals a constrained system by the metal ring of the constrained liner and subsequent broken ring representing a dissociation of the liner. The reason we present this case is that it is important to know that ring failure is associated with increased risk of hip dislocation. The incidence of dislocation ranges from 0.5% to 10% after primary and up to 28% after revision total hip arthroplasty. Procedures described to treat this instability include reorientation of femoral or acetabular component position, 
trochanteric reattachment or advancement, capsulography, the use of an elevated acetabular liner, conversion to a bipolar prosthesis, lengthening of the femoral neck, resection arthroplasty, or the use of a constrained acetabular component. In the level 4 study by Shapiro et al., 85 constrained total hip arthroplasties were implanted during revision total hip arthroplasty for chronic instability. There was a 2.4% dislocation rate in this cohort, and both of these were secondary to constrained liner dissociation. The final option to discuss in the setting of a THA dislocation is a resection arthroplasty, which is indicated when all other options have been exhausted. It's also indicated when there is significant bone loss and soft tissue deficiency and in psychiatric patients who are dislocating for secondary gain. That's all for this review about THA dislocation. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.